0: But ultimately, the science community is going to receive the means to help unlock the secrets of the solar system within their own labs here on Earth. Our spacecraft was designed to fly very precisely at asteroid Bennu to take all of the incredible observations of the surface of Bennu and, and identify a sample site and ultimately collect a sample. The team performed phenomenally at Bennu and so did the spacecraft. We're very confident that the capsule will perform as expected and slow down to a nice, gentle landing in September.
1: Welcome to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. The first U.S. mission to collect a sample from an asteroid will return to Earth on September 24th. NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft has been cruising through space since it departed asteroid Bennu in May 2021, with an estimated half-pound of pristine asteroid material aboard. OSIRIS-REx mission systems engineer Ron Mink is here to discuss preparations for the sample return. Ron, thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to share the excitement of OSIRIS-REx with the Small Steps, Giant leafs listening audience.
1: Absolutely. What can we expect on September 24th?
0: Well, we can expect the successful conclusion of the United States' first asteroid sample return mission. And that starts with the uh, spacecraft releasing the sample return capsule with the sample from Asteroid Venue. At about 4:42 a.m. Mountain Time, uh, and that's uh, in uh, Utah time, where the capsule will be landing, and we know that very precisely. That's why I'm uh, so precise on the numbers. And about four hours later, the capsule will enter the at- Earth's atmosphere over the coast of California, and after slowing down significantly uh, from friction with the atmosphere, and a drogue, a small drogue parachute. About 10 minutes before 9 a.m., the recovery personnel from NASA and the Department of Defense at the Utah Test and Training Range and the NASA live audience should see the main chute unfold and guide the capsule to a a soft landing about uh, five minutes before 9 a.m., again, mountain time, and following landing two recovery helicopters with recovery personnel from both NASA and the Department of Defense will approach the capsule and load the capsule into a a handling fixture and then onto a sling so that it will be carried by one of the two helicopters back to the DOD facility, which uh, houses a temporary clean room. Once in the clean room, the, the clamshell return capsule will be opened and the sample canister will be placed under a nitrogen gas purge to keep the uh, sample pristine. And then the canister will be removed and prepared for transport to the Johnson Space Center a couple of days
1: later. What's the status of preparations for the sample return?
0: Well, both the, uh, the flight teams, which includes the spacecraft operators at, at Lockheed Martin in Denver, Colorado, and the uh, mission management team from Goddard, and the recovery teams, uh, which includes uh, government team members and our partners at the Utah Test and Trainer Range, they're uh, finalizing their procedures uh, and testing uh, command sequences to ensure that the the spacecraft uh, operates as expected and recovery procedures will support a rapid recovery of the sample. So we've completed two operational readiness tests in the last uh, couple of months which uh, tests the, the flight team um, to go through procedures and command sequences to release uh, the, the sample return capsule and divert the, the spacecraft so that the spacecraft doesn't re-enter the atmosphere uh, to support an extended mission. And we, then we have a third uh, and final dress rehearsal plan for the end of August, which will include all elements of the project from Um, The the flight team releasing the capsule and uh, a test capsule being dropped from a helicopter at the Utah test and and training range and recovered by the the field team at the Utah test and training range. Also this week, the team is planning to conduct our second of three walk-in maneuvers, placing the spacecraft on the trajectory to fly by the Earth at an altitude of about 125 miles And then the third walk-in maneuver will occur on September 10th, which will actually target the spacecraft and the return capsule to Earth entry.
1: What do you think are the most interesting aspects of the work the team is doing to prepare to retrieve the sample?
0: Well, I think the most interesting aspects are when all uh, elements of the project have to come together for these operational readiness tests that I mentioned because it involves the diverse teams working in in Denver and working in Utah and at the Goddard Space Flight Center um, to put all of our procedures and processes into place um, to ensure that we're ready for the the actual events. And it forces all of the elements of the project to work on a timeline to release the capsule, uh, divert the spacecraft from hitting the Earth and also recovering the capsule. We recently completed uh, in June what we call an off-nominal operational readiness test, or ORT, that included many things that were planned to go wrong uh, with the intention of stressing the team and identifying needed improvements in processes and procedures. Um, So preparing for that test, our our test director put together what, what he calls a gremlin team To come up with uh, things that would go wrong um to make the job more difficult for the team and some of those things that went wrong included you know key personnel key uh, operators or managers would suddenly be unavailable due to uh, illness or some other factor and their backups had to step in um in one case the uh the communications from the main mission operations building at Lockheed Martin were completely cut off, so we had to rely on our, our cell phones and hotspots for, for communication. Um, and of course, the test director ensured that the spacecraft misbehaved multiple times, and the team had to recover from those uh, those problems. So it really stressed the team, but it was a great exercise to bring the team together, to exercise backup personnel, to ensure that whatever uh, nature and the mission throw at us in September will be prepared for.
1: What were or are the biggest engineering challenges?
0: Well, I think I'll, I'll uh, discuss uh, two aspects of the uh, the Earth return here. And so first of all, the sample return capsule has to be targeted to enter the Earth's atmosphere in a very narrow corridor actually less than, uh, less than half a degree wide to ensure that the capsule survives the extreme reentry environment. So the spacecraft in the, the days leading up to entry have to maneuver and point the spacecraft very precisely. And that has been a, a challenge on previous um, uh, sample return missions. However, our spacecraft was designed to fly very precisely at Asteroid Venue to take all of the incredible observations of the surface of Venue and, and identify a sample site and ultimately collect the sample from the surface. All of those required precision navigation and maneuvering by the spacecraft. And so having that experience under our belts, the team performed phenomenally at Venue and so did the spacecraft. and so you know based on that performance we will have no problem targeting that very narrow entry corridor the other uh, big engineering challenge for for very much all uh, uh re-entry missions is that the the capsule has to slow down from 27,000 miles per hour when it enters the earth's atmosphere down to zero uh, in a span of about 13 minutes and so the osiris rex uh, capsule is designed um, very much like the Stardust capsule that successfully entered the atmosphere over 17 years ago. The, the outer shape of the capsule, the what's called the aeroshell, which consists of the uh, heat shield that um, is on the front of the capsule as it enters, and then the, the back shell are, are the same as the Stardust mission. And so we're very confident that the capsule will perform as expected and slow down to a nice gentle landing in September.
1: What's next for the sample after the capsule lands in the Utah desert?
0: Well, once the sample canister is removed from the the capsule, it will be uh, transported to the dedicated Osiris Rux Curation Facility at the Johnson Space Center, where the, the capsule will be opened to reveal the sample collector, which is also called the Touch and Go Sample Acquisition Mechanism, or TAGSAM, and once in the the safe and very, very clean confines of the curation facility, um, the TAGSAM will be opened to remove the, the sample of asteroid venue, and it will be weighed to verify, first of all, that the Requirement for at least 60 grams of collected sample is met. Um, We expect it to be uh, well over uh, 250 grams. But we'll measure the sample, and then the sample will uh, be divided up uh, for scientific study by the OSIRIS REx team. And also, a significant portion of the sample will be uh, dedicated to uh, study by future scientists through future NASA programs that can use new tools and techniques to analyze the sample that haven't even been thought of yet.
1: Could you talk about OSIRIS-REx from a systems engineering perspective and what's been involved in making the mission a success?
0: Sure. Uh, One of the the key uh, systems engineering practices that we used, uh, starting with the proposal for For OSIRIS-REx to be the third New Frontiers mission way back in 2008, Um, we developed what we call the design reference mission, which is used across NASA for both um, planetary and and, um, earth science and human missions. But with a design reference mission, we divide the mission into discrete uh, phases, each phase with its own objectives. And once that design reference mission is defined and we start to develop the, the spacecraft and the operations uh, concept, we assign a phase lead, a systems engineer uh, phase lead uh, to each of these mission phase phases to ensure that the, the, the requirements on the spacecraft, um, how the spacecraft is designed, how the spacecraft and, and ground system are validated and verified, and how the operations concept and operations plans come together to ensure the success of each phase in meeting its objectives. So that ensures that the the system as a whole, um, once we're ready to launch, has been designed to support the objectives for all of the discrete uh, mission phases. And this was an excellent systems engineering approach for OSIRIS-REx, in particular for the asteroid rendezvous and and, uh, sample collection portion of the mission, we both, Lockheed Martin, our, our prime contractor, and Goddard assigned phase leads for each portion of the mission. And those two phase leads basically worked together to ensure that not only was the system designed to execute the venue operations, but that continued during operations to ensure the mission was executed as planned. So I personally served as the science phase lead for all of the science uh, observation campaigns conducted at Asteroid Bennu uh, to map the the entire surface of the asteroid, to collect critical information about the surface, to ultimately navigate down to the surface uh, and conduct the sample collection. And also currently I'm serving as the, uh, the Earth return phase lead. So it's, you know, very different aspects of the mission that are required for sample return versus venue operations. But the, the, in, this entire approach uh, allowed me and our other phase leads to ensure that the objectives throughout the mission were, were fully met.
1: I understand you've been working on this mission for over 15 years. What are your thoughts and feelings with this enormous milestone just a couple of months away
0: it's it's rather it's rather bittersweet for me I mean it's it's been uh, you know quite quite an investment of my time and the and the time and effort of of hundreds of people, you know mostly in the United States but even from around the world. We had uh, contributions from the uh, from the Canadian space Agency and and science science contributions from from around the world. so it's it's a culmination of the culmination of an enormous amount of hard work by a large number of people. Um, but ultimately the science community is going to receive the means to help unlock the secrets of the solar system within their own labs here on earth. Um, in another sense, it'll be bittersweet um, because we' over over a, such a, a long mission. Uh, and a long commitment unfortunately not not everyone everyone makes it to the end and recently um just earlier this this month um a, a dear friend and colleague that i worked with on osiris rex for for six years jonathan gal um passed away and so that was uh that was heartbreaking to to you know know that he would not uh be able to witness the the culmination of this amazing mission um one thing I also want to mention regarding the, you know, kind of my thoughts and feelings is that devoting so much of my time at Goddard to one mission is is a bit like uh, raising a child, which I have experience with as well. In fact, my youngest son was just eight months old when I started working on the the osiris rec proposal back in 2008, and when the capsule lands, he'll be starting his sophomore year in high school. Um, so, in in both senses. Getting to the, this point is an incredible sense of accomplishment, but you wonder how the time could have gone so fast.
1: Well, Ron, this has been very interesting, and thank you so much for sharing your personal reflections and the impact that it has and the timeline, along with things that are going on in your life. We do express our condolences to you it's sympathy to all of the team in the loss of your dear colleague. Thank you. But thank you so much for being with us today. We've really enjoyed getting to talk with you.
0: That's great. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity and look forward to the uh, excitement coming in September.
1: Absolutely. Do you have any closing thoughts?
0: Um, Just uh, wake up Sunday morning and watch the landing on NASA Live.
1: Ron's bio and links to related resources are available on our website at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast, along with a show transcript. If you'd like to hear more about what's happening at NASA, we encourage you to check out other NASA podcasts at nasa.gov podcasts. As always, thanks for listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps.